Come on, somebody. Give him a praise today. You got me here. I don't know how you did, but you got me here. Amen. Sometimes in spite of ourselves, you got me here. Hallelujah. Well, God is good. I said God is good. And all the time, amen, he is good. You may be seeing the house of the Lord. Give somebody a high five. Let them, let them know you're glad they're here too. A couple of things I don't want to forget. Uh, at the front of our stage, our platform here on both sides, the right and the left, uh, we have some helmets. In, inside these helmets are these little army green men. Remember these when we used to play with these things as kids? Well, they still won't make them today. And uh, we're giving these away. You can take one. You can take two. But we're asking everybody to take one today and uh, keep it somewhere where you see it. For 99% of us, that is near our fridge somewhere or the remote. Just saying, like, tape it to the fridge or the remote, somewhere where you, you're going a lot. And, and, uh, uh, and so this every time you see this, you can pray for our soldiers. You can pray for those that are serving. Is it okay if we do that? Guess what? Even if you said no, we're going to do it anyway. So, so take one of these today. Before you leave, just come on up uh, when you leave, before you leave today, and you can grab that. The second thing is um, I want all the men in the house to pay attention. Don't forget this Friday. I want all the men to shout this Friday. This Friday, we want you here. And uh, 6 o'clock is when it will begin. We're going to have hamburgers. We're going to have some Getty swag to give away. And so we're going to have a cooler and some tumblers. And, uh, and I know all the men in the house love Yeti stuff. And your wives are probably wanting you to come so you can win it. So make sure you're here this Friday night. Bring somebody with you. Bring a guest. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. And it, it's Crossroads Church. It's Church of Christ in Belton and Faith Point and Colleen. And we're all coming together as God's people should do anyways. Amen. And we're going to be meeting here a Friday night at 6 o'clock. Come early for hamburgers and uh, stay for some, some amazing word. And we have a gentleman coming in from the Dallas area. He's an attorney. He's going to be talking about how to walk out your faith in a secular world, what it means to serve God in the world in which we live, and what does that look like. So you won't want to miss it. It's going to be really, really good. And we're going to have some worship provided by our worship team. And so I want you here. So every man, get here. Bring a man with you. And uh, it's going to be really, really awesome. We can't wait for it. Turn with me now to the book of Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. We are wrapping up our series in Genesis. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope that you've learned something. If you haven't, it's not because I haven't taught you. Amen? It's just the truth. You know, so Genesis chapter 50 Starting with verse 14, we're reading out of the message version. Say amen when you're there. If you were looking at the screen, you were there five minutes ago. If you have the Bible app, by the way, you can open that as well and have all of the content there. Genesis chapter 50, uh, beginning in verse 14. This is the story of Joseph, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him. But let's read the scripture at God's word. And God's word says, and after burying his father, Joseph went back to Egypt. And all his brothers who had come with him to bury his father returned with him. And after the funeral, Joseph's brothers talked among themselves. They said, what if Joseph is carrying a grudge and decides to pay us back for all the wrong we did to him? And so they sent Joseph a message. And before his death, your father gave this command. Tell Joseph, forgive your brother's sin and all that wrongdoing 
and they, they did great, uh, they, did, they did treat you very badly, will you do it? Will you forgive the sins of the servants of your father's God? And when Joseph received this message, what did he do? He cried, he wept. And in verse 18, it says, Then the brothers went in person to him. They threw themselves on the ground before him and said, We'll be your slaves. In verse, uh, verse 21, Joseph replied, Don't be afraid. Do I act for God? Don't you see you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. And he says, don't be afraid. Do I act for God? And don't you see you plan evil against me? But everyone read it out loud with me. But God used those same plans for my good. And as you see all around you right now, life for many people. He says, easy now. You have nothing to fear. I'll take care of you and your children. And he reassured them, speaking with them heart to heart. Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you that your word stands alone. That your word is precious and we honor it today by reading it aloud. We honor it today by paying attention to it. As you've declared in James, the book of James, that we're to look into the word of God. As we look into a mirror to correct the flaws, to fix the things that need to be fixed. We do ourselves no favor. We do ourselves a, a disjustice. We dishonor our own selves if we leave exactly the same we came in. So I pray that as we read your word, as we honor your word, as we talk about you and your people and your stories and your stuff, that you would bless your things today. Change us. Equip us. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. And God's people said, amen. So be it. We're concluding, really, if you read the book of Genesis, we're, this literally is the end of Genesis. Like we're entering into the last chapters of of Genesis, and then comes the book of Exodus. Joseph is really the last character that you read about in the book of Genesis before you journey into the book of Exodus. And Exodus is known, of course, for the famous stories of Moses and the ten plagues and, and, and the parting of the Red Sea and the miracle, the manna from heaven and, and water out of the rock and the ten commandments. And it's known for a lot of things. But Joseph is the last story. He's, he's the last guy that you really talk about leading into the book of Exodus. And it's interesting that God would choose to end with Joseph. I mean, if you think about the beginning of the Bible, Genesis begins with the creation of man. It begins with the rise of man. It begins with the history of man. It's, it's our history. It's our story. That's what Genesis is. It's the story of us. It's the story of creation, the story of mankind. And God chooses to open his word. He chooses to start the Bible off, his book, the author of creation, the architect of the universe, decides that the beginning of his book should start with the beginning of us. And if I'm being honest and I'm thinking about who we are, I don't know that I want to talk about us. Seriously. I mean, we live some interesting lives. We've made some Interesting choices and interesting might not be the word you're using in your head right now to think about your life. <laughs> you might have other words right now, but interesting is the word. But God begins to choose to talk about us. He does. He talks about Adam and Eve, mankind. He's, he begins the whole Bible is beginning with mankind, right? I mean, yes, we have the creation of the heavens and the earth, but but the pinnacle of God's creation is us. 
In fact, it was so laborious for God to create us, he rested after he created man. I'm not saying that's why he rested, but I wonder if that's why he rested. Like he created us and was like, that was hard. (laughs) As if God can say that. And he writes about us. And so then we have this book of Genesis, and we talked about all the things in Genesis as much as we can. We talked about the flood. Remember that? We were saying we let's thank God for the flood sometimes. Amen. Let's thank him for the hard things in life. We we talked about Joseph's dad, Jacob, and what a character he was and how many of us see our lives in Jacob. And then the book of Genesis is it opens with the story of mankind, this beautiful creation of man walking in perfect harmony. And the word I want to use today because it parallels with what we're talking about tomorrow, what we're celebrating this weekend, Memorial Day, and that word is freedom. Everybody, don't say it, but I want you to shout the word freedom. freedom. There we go. Freedom. We should have all done it like William Wallace. Freedom! And so the book of Genesis begins with the conceptual idea of freedom, that we are free to serve God. Conversely with that, the other side of that coin is we are free not to serve God. Seriously. Like, we are not robots. God does not come down and make me stand up and pick up my legs and move me and make my mouth talk. Right? I choose to serve God or I choose not to serve God. And that's the story in the beginning of Genesis is this idea of freedom. We're introduced to it for the first time. Mankind learns about freedom in the book of Genesis and what it means to walk with God in freedom, what it means to have fellowship with him, what it means to have communion with him, what it means to be a friend of God, what it means to just walk with God. That's, this is the ideas that we're getting. And then if we look at the end of Genesis, the book closes with a guy in slavery. It closes with a guy in prison. It closes with a guy who had favor upon him and with his brothers hating him. And that's how the book ends with this guy's rise and fall through slavery. The opposite of freedom. And so here's the story of Joseph. Let me give it to you in a nutshell real quick so everyone pay attention. If you're not familiar with the story of Joseph, this is it really, really quick. Joseph's dad was Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. All right. And Jacob's dad was Isaac. Everybody say Isaac. And Isaac's dad was Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. Remember, we talked about Jacob and the kind of lineage he comes from. This is Joseph, too. Joseph is from the same line. Like These are the people in his. If he had a picture of, of all of the people in his, all the great men in his life, you would see Jacob, you would see Isaac, and you would see Abraham, and you would see these people up here. And so Jacob has this history with him. His his great-great-grandfather was Abraham, and his grandfather was Isaac, and his dad was Jacob, and and his dad was as greasy, I told you, as a bucket of KFC. You know, he was was shady as a shade tree mechanic. That's who Jacob was. That was his father. That's what Joseph saw modeled. And the Bible says at the age of 17, everyone say 17, like a teenager. Do we have any 17-year-olds in the house? One over here. 17, one over here. At the age of 17, Olivia, at your age, Joseph is taken into slavery. He's taken from his home. He's taken from his family. But it just wasn't like they came in and they raided the house and they took him. That's not how it happened. The Bible says that Joseph was a dreamer. Everybody say dreamer. 
He was a dreamer. What do dreamers do? They dream. They have dreams. Joseph was a dreamer. Not a daydreamer. We do that in school and at work. I'm talking about a dreamer. <laughs> and Joseph was a dreamer. And his first dream that he had was, again, this is all paraphrased, but he had this dream of stalks and, and this pile of stalks that were bound together. One stood taller than the others. And, and he had this dream, and he was excited about, like, some of the dreams that you get sometimes. And he went to his brothers. Of course, you go to your family, go to the people closest to you. And he says, hey, I've had this dream that I was the tallest stalk, and all the other stalks were bowing down to me. And his brothers kind of got mad, the Bible says, and they began to hate him. And they said, so we're going to bow down to you. And they shoot him away. Get out of here. Joseph has another dream. And the dream is very similar and this time, he tells it to his brothers, his mom, and his dad. And then his dad says to him, so you mean to tell me that your mother and I, along with your brothers, that we're going to bow down to you? And the Bible says that his own father rebuked him. And then it goes on to say that as Joseph walked away, the Bible says something very interesting. And I'm going to show you where it says it again in the New Testament. But it says this in the Bible. It says that after he sent Joseph away, it immediately says that Jacob held all of these things in his heart. What's interesting to note about that phrase is we see it used again in the New Testament when the angel appears to Mary and he says, behold, you are going to be with child and it will be the son of God. The Messiah will come to him and you are going to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When the angel left her, the Bible says this, that Mary held all of these things in her heart. So Jacob holds these things in his heart about his son that he, in fact, knows to be true. Jacob loved Joseph for a couple of reasons. Number one, I told you God has this weird thing about getting old ladies pregnant in the Bible. Joseph's mom was no different. She couldn't have children. She finally has Joseph. She goes on to have other children as well. But, but because Joseph was the promised child and was given to them at a late age, and so Jacob loved Joseph, the Bible says, more than his brothers. We all have favorite children, so don't act like you don't. Okay? Just kidding. Neither one of mine here today, so I can say that. But in all seriousness, he loved Joseph, and he made him this, this beautiful Technicolor dream coat. Some of you will get that later. And he made him this robe, and it was his sign from his father that you are my son and that you're favored by me. And so Joseph wore it with pride. When you saw the coat, you knew who was wearing it. It was Joseph, the dreamer. The Bible says that Jacob wanted to check on Joseph's brothers. Joseph wasn't with them. They were sheep herdsmen, men's men probably. And they were out doing what sheep herders do. Joseph was a dreamer. He was doing what dreamers do. Sheep herders were out herding sheep. And so jo uh, Joseph went to check on his brothers. And the Bible says this in chapter 37 of Genesis. When they saw him coming, his brothers said to this, here comes Joseph, the dreamer. I think I would like people to say that about me when I woke up. Here comes Matt, the dreamer. Because a real dreamer has a way of translating their dreams into reality. Have you ever wondered why you have some dreams in your heart and you've struggled so hard for them to become reality? You need to know today, I'm talking to the dreamers in the house, you need to help me preach this thing today, okay? I'm telling you, there's some dreamers in the house. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about me. You've had some dreams. Here comes the dreamer. 
he was despised for his gift. He was despised for the gift that he had. He didn't ask to be a dreamer. That was not what he asked. Often we have gifts that God has given to us that we never, ever asked for. Because I lead from a transparent place, because I always say that out loud from the mic, I say, can I be transparent with you? And I'm going to do it anyways, but I'll ask for your permission. Can I be honest with you? You've heard me as your pastor say that before. But my staff know I truly lead from this place. Can I be transparent with you? I didn't ask for this position. I didn't. I didn't go to my dad or the board and say, hey, I want to be the pastor of this church. They came to me, to Holly and I. That's the truth. My dad and the board at the time approached us and said, hey, your dad's retiring. We would like you to be the one to come in and fill his shoes. And they're hard shoes to fill, trust me. Struggle every day. I didn't ask for the gifts that I have. I didn't want to, I didn't wake up one day and say, God, give me the ability to preach or give me the ability to speak. I didn't ask for that. When, it, when I chose what God had for me, I started praying then, God, I need, you're going to make me a preacher. You better, better help me make me be a preacher. I hear my heart today, church. Joseph, we don't ever see in Scripture Joseph asking for this gift, but yet it's his gift in which he is despised. They hate him for the thing that God has put on him. And there are people that come into our lives that hate us not because of who we are, but because of the gift that resides in us. And often we're marked by the enemy, by the anointing that we carry, and by the gift that we operate out of. Often the challenges that we face in life come not because of who we are or because of who our parents are, but because of the thing that God has put inside of us and is working to mature inside of you. So the dream that you have sitting right now inside of you, the enemy has worked your whole life to suppress the anointing in the gift that's in you because he knows if it ever gets loose, if two and two ever get together and become four, if you truly ever start connecting the dots that God has placed before you, you will be an unstoppable force in the kingdom of God. Give God a praise, sure. So some of you, you've battled the same devil your whole life. You wonder why you fought him when you were 12. And you wonder when you fought him when you were 15 and you're 20 or 25 or now you're something like me and you're still fighting him. And you're still fighting. It's the same devil, the same temptation, the same battle, the same mental and emotional struggle you fought as a little girl you're fighting today in your 40s or your 50s or your 30s. Because the enemy is not after you per se, but he's after what's inside you, Larry. John, Tammy, Tori. That's what he's after. He's after that dream that the dream giver gives to you. Joseph never said, God, I want to be a dreamer. He never went to his dad and said, I want you to put favor on me. He never went to his dad and says, I want you to put this coat on me. Joseph never asked for any of it. But what he did do and we could all learn to do today is that he chose to walk in the thing that God put inside of him. He chose to mature it. He chose to walk in it. And so many of us, we fight the gift that's in us. You have a gift of prophecy and every time it comes upon you or God gives you a word of knowledge for me or for this church or for 
someone else, you hold back and you fight and you say things like, oh, God, that can't be you. That can't be for this moment. That can't be for this time. And doesn't that sound like something the devil would say to you? Keep quiet. Don't speak that truth when the world is begging for truth. Some of you have a gift of hospitality. You can host the host out of hospitality. You're, you're a great hostess. I, I say this in all seriousness. Jenny, who is on staff here, is a great hostess and a, a hospitality. I don't know what the right word for that is, but we'll make it up. Just pretend like you know, I know what it is. You know? And she really is good at that. If you ever go to any of the parties that she hosts, they're awesome. And I was like, man, I wish I could do that. But that's not my gift. Some of you are great encouragers. I mean, when people get around you, they just, they like, they want to be around you. Because you're, you're an encourager. You're good at lifting people up. You're good. Like, when you walk into the room, the room is better because you're there. By the way, that should be all of us. <laughs> but some are better than others. Like, don't be the person that when you walk in the room, is like, oh, my God, she's here. Oh, Jesus, let's go. You're like, where did everybody go? The rapture happened? No, you, you happened. That's what happened. You always wonder why there's dramas because it's following you. Anyway, we'll, we'll save that for another time. And the dreamer, he had this dream. If you're taking notes, I hope you are. Maybe you're taking mental notes like I do sometimes. If you're taking notes, write this down in your head or on a paper or on your phone. Be careful who you share your dream with. That was good. Somebody said that was good. That was worth the price of admission today. Be careful who you share your dreams with. Not everyone is going to get as excited as you are about your dream. You're going to have a dream someday. To every teenager in the house, God's going to put it. The dream giver will give you a dream. It is not from you. It is from the dream giver. Remember that. Any of us, when we get a dream, it is not from us. We didn't invent it. It is from God the Father, the dream giver. He gives us this stuff. And he says to us, whatever it is. But be careful who you share your dream with. Because there are dream killers that exist. And they're walking among us. And they look like us. They talk like us. They worship like us. They tithe like us. They volunteer like us. But they don't dream like us. And there's some people who love the Lord, but they're like dream killers. Pull, pull, dream killers. You don't have to say amen because they might be sitting next to you, but have you ever shared your dream with someone? I mean, you were excited about it. You're like, you, Tori, Tori, you got to listen, you got to listen, you got to, it's so awesome. I can't wait to do it. I can't wait to try it. I can't wait to apply for it. I can't wait to get a loan. I can't wait to do any of this. And I'm so excited. Why would you want to do that? Let me give you all the reasons why you shouldn't do that. As if we needed that in our life. If you've ever chased a dream, trust me, you talked yourself out of it before anyone else ever tries to talk. Come on, who am I talking to? You know what I'm saying. In your heart, before, when God puts it in there, you start talking yourself out of it. 
just like Moses did. When he came, God came to him in a burning bush, and he says, I want you to go back to Egypt, and you're going to be the one to tell Pharaoh to let over 3 million people go. And Moses says, I must stutter. I can't, Lord. Talk ourselves out of the dream that the dream giver has given us. Be careful who you share your dream with. Treat your dream as a precious commodity, a precious stone, because it is precious. It is something valuable. If it came from the dream giver, it has eternity all in it. And you don't want to share it with someone who's just temporary. That was good, and that was freedom for somebody. You got somebody temporary hanging around in your life. They're not eternal like your dream. They're just temporary. But I'm telling you, be careful who you share your dream with. No dream is too silly or too small. If the dream giver gives you a dream, who are we to call it small and insignificant? Who are we to say to the one that created the dream that that sounds silly? If he gave it to you, I'm telling you and giving you freedom and liberty today to run like crazy after it. Build your life around it. Nothing is too silly or too small. I think there are ladies in here that you, your whole dream in life is to, have, is to get married and have kids. Like That is your dream. You want to be a stay-at-home mom. You want the perfect house that your husband, like the 50s, a whole black and white thing, like for whatever reason, women cooked in heels and in dress in, in the 50s. I don't know if that's how it really happened, but on TV it did. It ain't that way today. But, anyways, anyways. but, but that's your dream. You, you just wanted to be a mom. You wanted to get married and be a mom. And that you, wanted that, you want that more than life itself. And the world has told our women today, nope, you got to go to work. You got to be as strong as a man. You got to earn as much as a man. And if you don't, you're not a woman. And, and hear my heart. I'm not trying to get caught in the weeds of a lot of that stuff. But I'm telling you, if the dream giver gave you a dream and you're a lady in here and it is to be a mom and it is to love your husband and to be a support and a rib unto him and it is to love your kids and help them grow up in a godly environment. So it says in Proverbs 31 about a woman that her children will give praise to her. If you desire to be that type of mother and that type of woman, then sister, go for it. Amen. Shun the world and love God and do it the best you can. There are people in here that dream of owning their own business. You, your whole life, you've known that you were created for more, that God designed you for more than the nine to five, that what you're doing now just has never truly fulfilled who you are. There are men in this house within the sound of my voice today that are living lives of quiet desperation. And if you're not careful, men, you'll die with your song still in your heart. You will die with a vision and a dream in your heart. Never, ever seen it touch reality. Can I tell every man in here, let go of all the hindrances and the boundaries and the, 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 the things that you've placed on God. And you said, God, I can't do this. I've got a wife and kids to support. And, and I've got a mortgage and I've got all this. And, and what happens, hear my heart, church, so many of us, we strap ourselves with the world. We can never truly pursue our dream. We've mortgaged and leveraged everything to the world so that when God, the dream giver, gives us a dream, we can't pursue it because we're leveraged so deep financially. That's a good word. How do we do it? Just start getting out of debt little by little. Start chipping away. Start knocking away at it so you can pursue the dream that the dream giver has placed in you. 
Every dream that the dream giver gives us will cost us something. Guaranteed. It will cost you a relationship. It will cost you your mind sometimes. It will cost you your pocketbook. Sometimes you're going to fail at your dream. Sometimes you're going to go for your dream and you're going to fail at your dream. I want to share with you some people who have were dreamers who sometimes failed at their dreams. Abraham Lincoln, as a young man, went to war, returned to private. Afterwards, he went into business and failed at his first law firm. He was deemed too temperamental and emotionally unstable by one of his partners. So he turned to politics. <laughs> was defeated in the legislature, was defeated in his attempt for Congress, and, and so on and so on, but eventually became our 16th president and wrote one of probably the second documents closest to our Declaration of Independence, and that was the proclamation when he freed men and women who were slaves all across our nation. What if he would have given up on his dream? Winston Churchill repeated a grade in elementary, went on to fail at the Royal Military Academy exam, defeated his first effort to serve in Parliament, became Prime Minister at the age of 62. He would later write, never give in, never, ever give in, never, 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 nothing great or small, larger, petty, never, never, never give in. Thomas Edison failed a thousand times in inventing the light bulb. Somebody say a thousand. A thousand times inventing the light bulb. When he was asked by a reporter, how did it feel? He says, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was an invention with a thousand steps. Albert Einstein. You've probably said about someone, he or she is no Einstein. Did not speak until he was four years old. Uh, didn't learn to read until he was seven. His parents said he was subnormal. He was expelled from school and was refused admittance to the Zurich Polytechnic School. He did eventually learn to speak and read, and oh, by the way, he did learn to do a little math. Louis Pasteur is known for the pasteurization process. His theory on germs was called ridiculous fiction. Henry Ford failed and went broke five times before he succeeded. Macy, where my wife loves to shop, he fell seven times before his store in New York caught on, and Holly said amen. Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, when they were inventing the Apple computer, went to Atari. They went to Southwestern Bell to try to get them to help fund what we now know as the Apple computer, which is running everything that we have in this room today, by the way. For all the football fans in the house, Vince Lombardi. An expert said of him, he possesses minimal football knowledge and lacks motivation. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. He said, I've missed more than, more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that's why I succeed. Babe Ruth is famous for his home run record, but for decades he also held the record for strikeouts. Hank Aaron went 0 for 5 his first time at bat with the Milwaukee Braves. Tom Landry, Chuck Knoll, Bill Walsh, and Jimmy Johnson, if you're a Cowboys fan, most of those fit in there. 
accounted for 11 of the 19 Super Bowl victories from 74 to 93. They also share the distinction of having the worst records of first season head coaches in NFL history. They didn't win a single game. Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. Man, can you imagine being that guy? And he went bankrupt several times before he built Disneyland. In fact, the proposed park was rejected by the city of Anaheim on the grounds that it would only attract riffraff. We must be riffraff. <laughs> when Julie Andrews took her first screen test for MGM, the studio's final determination was she's, got, she's not photo, photogenic enough for them, for the film. When Lucille Ball began studying uh, to be an actress in 27, she was told by the head instructor of a drama school, try another profession. Decca Records and uh, Columbia Records would tell the Beatles, we don't like their sound. Groups of guitars are on their way out. Van Gogh, sold, Van Gogh sold only one painting in his lifetime, and it was to his sister for $50. But he went on to continue to paint 800 paintings, over 800 paintings. A little-known artist known as J.K. Rowling, about a boy and being a wizard, was, told by, 27, it was 12, told by 12 publishers that it wasn't good enough. Dr. Seuss's first book was rejected 27 times times look at your neighbor and say don't give up say it with some conviction because perhaps the person sitting next to you walked in today ready to give up all of that is very interesting but it's just to tell you don't give up the enemy would love nothing for more more for you today than to resign in your attempts to chase the dream that the dream giver has placed in you Every teenager in the house, I'm telling you today, I speak on behalf of your parents. I know I do. Chase your dreams. Go hard after them. The dream giver. Dare I say that God also had a dream about reconnecting with mankind? He had an idea only from him. He concocted this brilliant idea of how to reunite us with him. And his idea was the craziest idea of all that he would send his only son to a lost world, to a fallen world, to people who choose to reject him day in and day out. And his idea was to send his only son, Jesus, to love us, to walk in our shoes, to be a sacrifice for us. I'm glad God chased his dream. Aren't you? I'm glad he sent Jesus. The dreamer became a prisoner. Often our dreams imprison us. We're imprisoned by our own dreams. Sometimes people who are labeled genius are really trapped by their own mind. Sometimes our dreams, because they seem too big for us, they imprison us. God gives you a dream. The dream giver gives you a dream, and you say there's no possible way that that can happen. And we just give up. And we, we're locked in prison, this prison of self-doubt, this prison of unbelief, this prison of doubt, this prison of fear of what if I chase the thing that God has placed before me and I fail? And I say to, to you today, what if you chase it and you succeed? What would that do for the kingdom? What would it do for your family? What would it do for the people that are closest to you? The question should not be, what if I fail? It should be, what if I succeed? 
What if I'm successful at doing what the dream giver put in me to do? The dreamer became a prisoner, became a prince. What we read in Genesis chapter 50 is after Joseph is elevated to second in command. So we have Potiphar, and then we have Joseph. And the Bible says that Potiphar, who didn't serve God, Joseph's God, but saw that God's favor and his hand was upon him and said, whatever you want to do, Joseph, you can do. I won't micromanage you. Whatever you feel right to do, you do it for my kingdom. And the Bible says that Potiphar, a God that he didn't serve, believed in Joseph's God because of the favor that was upon Joseph. Look at your neighbor and say, I want that favor. He was a dreamer. He was a prisoner, which led him to a prince. And this prince told Pharaoh, because he had another dream, and God showed him in this dream, he says, I'm going to send a drought and a famine all across this land. There won't be food. There won't be anything for anyone. So Joseph went to Pharaoh, and he says, Pharaoh, we better start storing up, because God says that he's going to send a famine, and God does what he says he's going to do, and God calls the famine across this land. And the Bible says it got very, people were doing crazy stuff. You just have to read it because the famine was so great. They were, they were doing terrible things to each other because the, the famine was so great. And the Bible says that his brothers and his dad, his, his dad Jacob was on his deathbed, heard that Joseph was still alive. He says, take me to my son. I want to see my son because his brothers sold him into slavery. Jacob thought his son was dead. And he sees his son again for the first time in a long time. His brothers see him. And I read you what I read you because Joseph says, I'm not mad at you. I don't hate you. What you meant for bad, God used it for my good. <laughs> Amen. See what the enemy means for bad? God says, I'm going to use that very same thing. Not a new thing. But just to rub it in the devil's face a little bit more, the thing that he wanted to use for bad I'm going to take it from him, and I'm going to use it for your good. He was sold into slavery. Potiphar's wife lied about him, falsely accused him, had him thrown into prison. God ransomed him from prison, put him as a prince, so that one day he could save his entire family. I'm telling you, the dream that you have in you, it's bigger than you. It's better than you. But, church, we have to chase what the dream giver has put in us. Amen. Would you stand your feet all across this place? Let's worship the Lord. Let's sing out to him. The atmosphere is changing because God is changing the atmosphere. Amen. He's changing your atmosphere. The way you think, the way you think the way you perceive, reach out to him today and say, God, change my atmosphere. Change the way I'm thinking and change the way I perceive. Change the way I'm behaving today. Spirit of the Lord is here. Sing it out. The atmosphere. Atmosphere is changing now for the Spirit of the Lord. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. Yes, the evidence is all 
Amen. I want to pray with you today before I continue to sing, before we worship. Father God, I thank you for today. I don't know who your word was for, but for the person that received it today, those who had ears to hear today, what your spirit is saying to us, to chase the dream that the dream giver has given us. Because if you gave it to us, it is for us to pursue, for us to chase. That the time of dreaming is over and the time of doing is beginning. To do something with the dream that you've given us. To pursue it, to chase it, to go after it. To not be discouraged, but to be encouraged today. That you are for us and you're not against us. That what was meant for bad, you will make for good. And the enemy has worked our whole life to destroy us, but you've kept us here You've brought us here for this moment today to be released into our destiny, to be released into the fullness of God, to pursue after you and chase you today. So we do that today. I pray for the person here who's felt like giving up emotionally, spiritually, who's thought about taking their own life because it doesn't matter. The dream is dead. The all hope is gone. What does it matter if I live or die? And I rebuke that lie. I take it captive. I take that thought captive today, God. That you, they matter to you, O oh Lord. And that we're going to live for you. We're going to serve you. I think of a freedom and liberty in this house today. The joy of being a son and daughter today. That we would walk boldly in that today. We ask this in your name, Jesus. I'm going to ask our prayer partners, our staff, um, all of our elders. Today, they're going to make their way to the sides of our building today. If you're here today and you want prayer, as we're going to sing and worship. And as we do, if you want prayer, if there's a, a dream that you've been chasing, if maybe when I spoke about giving up, you felt like giving up, you felt like that's you that I'm talking to, like you just wanted to check out on life, but you want someone to pray with you today, uh, both sides of our, our sanctuary, there are people that are ready to pray with you, some up here at the front. And we want you to make a bold move today. Don't sit there. Don't stay there. But if you want prayer today, man, you want to seal what God has done, make a bold move today. Let us pray with you. Let us come in agreement with you today. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. And as we do, we invite you to at least sing it one time through before you go. Don't forget about our, our little green army men up here at the front. But let's pray today. Let's believe God for a miracle today. Let's believe him to do what no man can do today. Let's believe him to operate and move in this place in a powerful way. Worship the Lord with us. Pray today.